Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, hey, hey. But if y'all waiting on me to apologize, hell gonna oh, freeze. Wait. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to another week of the Points in the Paint Podcast, Stadium's NBA podcast. I'm Bed Wittenstein. And I am Zach Badger House. And don't you forget, this is the number one podcast, basketball podcast, NBA podcast at stadium so don't you forget right ben there you go absolutely <laughs> still number one multiple <laughs> weeks at number one um but yeah we're all over twitter you can find us at points paint all over apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast subscribe so you get it right when it drops usually at six in the morning on tuesdays if you're up that early and want to listen to some hot nba takes uh we come out right around then and of course nba always going on zach but this week of course ncaa tournament time have you made the bracket do you have big upsets going on? Is Gonzaga the winner of your bracket? Have someone say something that was rather interesting to me yesterday. They said a number one seed will not make the final four. I said, huh. So you don't think the, the Gonzaga Bulldogs can pull it off? I think the Zags can pull it off this year. Yeah, now, I know they've never really done it in the past. Mark Few hasn't been able to do it. But I think he, ha- I think he has the right guys this year along with, you know, the freshmen with the veteran leadership, the senior leadership from the uh, upper class of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. I think they can pull it off this year. And Jalen Suggs is so good. So good. That's the guy I was thinking of. Jalen Suggs is super good. He's one and done for sure. Going to definitely be a lottery pick, top pick in the NBA draft. And we'll probably be talking about him later on. Oh, absolutely. We're going to have to have Jeff Goodman on um, later on as the draft gets closer for him to talk about some of the prospects. But if you haven't been following what Jeff's been doing the past couple of days, especially today, there's been firings and hirings, Zach, uh, IU firing coach Archie Miller. Yeah, I was going to ask you how you feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> elated. I don't know if there's any more words to describe it other than elated that Archie Miller is no longer the coach of Indiana basketball. Hopefully they did you, get stuff did together. Did you put in on the buyout? Um, <laughs> you, listen, I chipped put... in. I, I put into the fund. I gave gave what I could. Okay. Think, uh, okay. Hopefully it was enough. Gave Gave uh, a couple uh, bucks. All right. <laughs> I unfortunately was not the high rolling donor that provided most of the, I think they call it like the philanthropic effort to get rid of coach Archie Miller. I, I couldn't give a million dollars and I apologize to, to IU fans for not being able to give my part to that, but it is great to see him gone. Uh, loving, loving that. Hopefully they hire some good coach. John Beeline wouldn't be bad. Former Cavs coach, former Michigan coach. I think he would be a good fit for Indiana basketball. What about but, your boy? We'll have to see Bradley Stevens. Brad yeah, what about Stevens. your boy? <laughs> Listen, at this point, I think it would be fun to root against the Celtics just to see them collapse and Brad Stevens to say, <laughs> maybe I'm just going to go back to college. Maybe I'll go back to Indiana. Go back home, take Indiana to the Final Four. It, listen, it would be more 
fulfilling, I think, to Brad Stevens to take Indiana to the Final Four and have them even go to the championship game than to do anything with the Celtics. I'll just say that right here. I think it would be more fulfilling for him <laughs> as a person to do more with Indiana basketball than it would be to win any championship with the Boston Celtics. Well, we got to keep him on the hot seat. We <laughs> <laughs> do. He is forever in perpetuity on the hot seat. Uh, but, Zach, let's go to our story of the week. Our top story tonight. And this week, I think it would be a good idea to take a look at the top of the top in the NBA and the bottom of the bottom because they're very two drastic different teams. And the top of the top, I think we we could have said in the past weeks the Utah Jazz, but I think this week it's safe to say that the Brooklyn Nets are the top of the top, the best team in the NBA right now. You know, I think the Philadelphia 76ers may also have something to say about that. However, they are currently on, you know, a, what, four-game winning streak. But it's deeper than that, though, right? You know, the Houston Rockets, they've played – I mean, not excuse me, not the Houston Rockets, but the Brooklyn Nets have played exceptionally well with uh, without Kevin Durant. And that's been the biggest story of the whole thing is the simple fact that they have played so well without even having, you know, their best player. You know, Kyrie has elevated, obviously, his scoring. He scored 40 points last week. James Harden's getting triple-double after triple-double this year. And so, in their second in the East right now, behind the Philadelphia 76ers. So, it's like, they've played some good ball. They've added another all-star piece. He hasn't played all-star level basketball, but they've added another all-star with Blake Griffin, and they're going to get him going in the rotation as well. So the future is really only bright for the Brooklyn Nets. It seems that way, and people are going to talk about their defense, and they're going to say they're a bad defensive team. But, Zach, when you have the offensive abilities and the offensive statistics that they have, you don't really need to play good defense. You just outscore <laughs> every team that you play. And that's that's – as a person who preaches defense wins championships – it's so uncommon to really see a team that plays defense as bad as the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> does. Like they play, they play some bad defense. Yeah. And Kyrie and James Harden, they they don't do a, a consistent effort in terms of defensively, defense defensive matchups and everything. But man, like you said, the offensive juggernaut, they're guaranteed to wake up out of bed and at least get 115 to 120 points. Like that's guaranteed for that franchise this year. Yeah, it's pretty amazing to see what they can do on the offensive side. And and I I mean, I think the Nets are probably the number one team. But like you said, the 76ers are right there. And we see and we saw them play really well um, on Sunday without Joel Embiid. They dominated without Joel Embiid. They, they beat up on the Spurs. So this is a team that clearly can play well, even if they don't have their best player. And now I'm not going to say that they're going to do anything in the playoffs if they don't have Joel Embiid, because they are not going to go anywhere without Joel Embiid for a playoff run. But I think it was probably good for them to see what they could do against a pretty solid Spurs team without Joel Embiid. Yeah, and what's going to be upsetting is when come playoff time, when you have to sag off on the the liability of Ben Simmons, the offensive liability of Ben Simmons because he won't take a jump shot or he just flat out just can't shoot the basketball when you have that liability in the playoffs, it's basically four on five, and then that's going to put so much more pressure on the best big probably in the game right now and who is probably the front runner for MVP with Joel Embiid. And it can't be understated how good the role players have been 
for them as well with Tobias Harris having a resurgence and yes. him playing really well. Seth Curry helping out on the perimeter. This is a team that not only can focus on their stars and Simmons and Embiid, but now they have the help around them that's needed for a playoff push and for them to be serious contenders, which I think at this point, it would be hard to make the case against them being serious contenders. No, you definitely have to make, they definitely make a case. I definitely agree with that. They definitely do make a case, the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, but they definitely have to continue to incorporate the young guys. I like what they're doing with Tyrese Maxey, you know, the, the Kentucky kid. I like what they're doing with him. And I think the role players for the, like you said, for the Sixers, they are elevating their game. They are doing a better job uh, in terms of, you know, just taking as less pressure off of Joel so he doesn't draw so many double teams and he could just freestyle his offense the way he wants and just basically see the, see the floor the way he wants to see it, whether he wants to be down low or he wants to be high post whichever one he decides to do, it just puts it at his own advantage, knowing that the other guys can step up when he's either not on the floor or when they, when he, when it's time for him to kick it out or, you know, find someone else out there on the perimeter. Now, everything good we just said about the 76ers and the Nets, we could say the complete opposite about the Houston Rockets. And we're talking about <laughs> the good and the bad, the haves and the have nots of the NBA right now. The Those Rockets are the have nots. They are the have nots. They are the really have nots. They have nothing. Uh, they're missing Christian Wood with injury and yeah. with Oladipo and John Wall. They really don't have anything else. And they are terrible. They've lost 16 in a row. Yeah, they've lost 16 straight, which is very, very bad. And in their last three games, they've lost by probably 20 plus game, 20 plus points. So it's yeah. been real tough. But, you know, John Wall, Vic. And Eric, they've all missed time, you know, within the last month. Then they just got the the young kid that we talked with uh, with Davies about, Spencer Davies from Basketball News. Got to get him back on too. But uh, we had him on with uh, Kevin. We talked about Kevin Porter Jr. and he's doing a little. He's doing pretty solid for them in his first three games. But like I said, they they're terrible. Like we talked about, they're terrible right now. And I I hate to see it because you know, first year coach, right? And we wanted to see Coach Silas do well with the Houston Rockets when he got the jobs. And this is it's just a bad, bad situation. It looks like they're just going to blow the roster up. Yeah, and that's what it looks like. And we're going to talk a little bit more about them with our trade buyout prediction segment, which is coming up because Oladipo might be going somewhere. We may be seeing some movement with that Rockets team, who at this point, I mean, it looks like they're just going to be tanking. I, I don't know what other strategy they have, because if they're not trying to tank, they're doing it very poorly because they, as we said, 16 <laughs> in a row. But the question I have for you, Zach, um, and this this is between the East and the West, and, and we love to say East versus West, who's better? And, and really, to the naked eye, it looks like the Western Conference is deeper than the East in terms of talent and how good teams are. But just looking at the top three teams in both the East and the West, and right now in the East, it's the Nets, 76ers, and the Bucks. And then the West, you've got the Jazz, the Suns, and the Lakers. And you could put the Clippers in there as well as, as kind of the top three. Who would you, what conference would you say has the better top three teams? The East. Crazy, right? Yep. The East. I, I would agree. And I think, I think that's the crazy part. And, you know, when you look at it, you look at Philly and what they've done, Joel Embiid, he's dominating MVP. But then, okay, but then you go back on the West. Utah Jazz, the number one seed in the in the West. That's fine. I seen uh I seen what Rudy Gobert did. He had another one of those twenty four, 
25 plus rebound games, something I want to see from him, you know, more often, or just to be dominant as a seven footer in the NBA. But I seen, but it, and it was in a loss. I want to add that too because the the uh, Warriors took care of them. So they haven't been as good. The Utah Jazz, they're what five and five in their last ten. So like you said, they may start to fizzle out as the playoffs get closer. Now on the flip side, the Brooklyn Nets, they're without Kevin Durant, and they still look very good. But that Phoenix team out in the West, they're pretty good too. But I think right now, but then when, you know what? As I talk about it, it's kind of even in a sense. But I would put, I would give the edge to the East because the Jazz hasn't haven't played well as of late. Yeah, and I think the thing is too, you look at the Jazz and you say, you know, they're the best. They have been the best team in the NBA, but they've fizzled out a little bit, five and five in their last ten games, and. I think the thing is with the West, too, we, we know what the Lakers can be with Anthony Davis, but they don't have Anthony Davis right now. And we know the Clippers, what they can be at their best, but they've kind of reverted to being that inconsistent Clippers team. They've won four of their last 10 games. They're four and six in their last 10, and they've been winning and losing. They've been losing to teams they shouldn't be losing to. Yep. So they're kind of iffy. And again, with the Suns and the Jazz, you have two teams that are playing really, really well, but there's no confidence in their ability to make any type of run. With the Nets and the 76ers, you know for a pretty good fact that they're going to be competing for that Eastern Conference final spot. And, and there's really and, no question to that. And then, you, like you said, and then you're going to have Milwaukee right there being third in the East, knocking on the door. You know, maybe they make a move to really put them back into that Eastern, Eastern Conference championship conversation because right now they look like they're going to be maybe knocking on, knocking on the door, looking on the outside of that between the Nets and the Sixers looking like they'll probably meet in the Eastern Conference championship. But like I said, if the Brooklyn, if the uh, Milwaukee Bucks can possibly get another piece or maybe trade someone, who knows, then they could probably be in that conversation again. All right, let's talk, talk some trade buyout predictions because it's getting that time. The trade that deadline time, man. coming up. We're going to be seeing some big trades. Up. Yeah, 100%. So <laughs> let's, let's look at some guys who we think are going to be trade, maybe buyout. And I think the big name that, that's been floated around, it came out over the weekend that he was looking to maybe be traded, is Aaron Gordon from the Orlando Magic. And his name pops up every so often in, in trade rumors and trade talks. But it really seems like this time around – he's probably going to get moved. If it's not before the trade deadline, it's probably over the offseason. And the stat that blew me away, and it's not even a stat, Zach, it was just his age. <laughs> if you had asked me to blindly guess Aaron Gordon's age, I would say 27, 28, maybe even 29. The guy's 25 years old. He's 25 years old. He is so much younger than I thought he would be. Well, yeah, we got to consider he, he he's came in seven years, early. too. Mm -hmm. But see, that's the thing, though. A guy like him, and then how old you probably how old do you think Andre Drummond is? Because Andre Drummond is another one of those guys who came in the league super young, and yeah. he's like only probably like 27 or 28 years old. But you would probably think he'd be the same age as like a James Harden, you know, to be in his uh, be in his uh, young 30s, you know, to be 31, maybe 32. But Andre Drummond is only like 27, 27. 28. Years. Yeah, you know, so he's only 27 years old. I think he turns. 28 later on this year so like a guy like Aaron Gordon who's been in the league for seven years and is or six years and, and is only 25 years of age that that means that he can still be have potential to be something you know he, he's only what career average is probably only like 12 points a game but he can probably make that to like 18 or you know 19 points he could end up flourishing into maybe a TJ Warren or something like that elevating his game it's all about the right fit right 
Yeah, and, and our very own Shams from Stadium, he said the Timberwolves and, and the Portland Trailblazers are in the mix to try to make a trade for Aaron Gordon. But the hot team that people were talking about him going to was the Boston Celtics. And it makes sense when, when you think about it for him to go there. They need a, another wing player. And, I mean, Aaron Gordon's not the worst of, of defenders. He can be an above-average one-on-one defender. And and the thing is, too, is the way that he played with the Magic, he was really their number one guy at times. But with Vucevic, he's really their two, maybe their third option. And he kind of tries to play like that, where he forces up some bad shots sometimes. But it would be interesting to see him play on a team with really good talent around him and him being like the fourth or fifth offensive option that might be able to elevate his game and make him into a more specialized player. Yeah, because that's what is basically going to be de- be determining right there. Is he going to be a guy that specializes at something or a guy that's going to do a little bit of everything? And I think that's sometimes what, what the Orlando Magic had troubles with him is like really finding what kind of player he was going to be yeah. for the Orlando Magic. Like they didn't really necessarily know, well, okay, he's super athletic, but uh, what can he really do? He's undersized for four. He's kind of big for three. You really can't kind of play a five, but I, but he's still athletic enough and mobile enough to to defend on on the wings. So it's just you know it was tough. I guess it was tough for them. And then they just did a bad consistency of drafting, right? So they they draft him, then they go get another guy that's not necessarily as athletic, but it's pretty similar. And Jonathan Isaac, you know, they get him and they hit Torres ACL. So that I think it's probably time for the Orlando Magic to uh, go in a different direction with Aaron Gordon for sure. Yeah, I would agree. And they have so many forwards, too. I mean, they have O'Keefe. You see what I mean? Yeah. They've got, yeah. It's just they have an abundance of forwards that they he's just kind of run past his use for the team. And if they can get some good draft picks or if they can get some good assets from him, you might as well. He's, again, only 25. So I think he could get a pretty decent return for any team that's looking to grab him. And he could fit on, I mean, we talked about the Celtics. He could fit with the Celtics. I think he would be a really good fit with the Warriors too. And and, uh, and as I was going through this list, Zach, of players that are available, I kept thinking, you know, he would be a really good fit for the Warriors and for just every single option, because I think the Warriors play such a good brand of basketball that they do need some open spots. They do need some more assets to become a more dangerous team. But the players that they need, like wing players, are very much in abundance this time around for the trade and buyout market. And then you got a guy like Aaron Gordon who may end up, he could, it's so crazy. Cause I know like Detroit Pistons fans, you know, I know they be wanting like the guy. Yeah. And so the simple fact that uh, Grant is probably not going to be there. He may not be there, but then they're going to inquire, you know, about Aaron Gordon, I know that's going to frustrate them because for the Detroit Pistons to try to trade a guy like Jeremy Grant, but then in the same sentence, go after a guy like Aaron Gordon, I know they're going to feel like they're moving backwards. (laughs) We got some other names uh, that we wanted to talk about for the trade market. Kyle Lowry's name has been floated around a little bit. Um, he does have a $30 million salary going on. Yeah, so that is going to be hard. Big pockets. <laughs> yeah. He's he's making bank right now, and it's going to be hard for some teams to match that. But, you know, when reporters have been asking him about where they think he stands with the organization, he's been saying some kind of weird stuff, like people just kind of need to do the best for what's for themselves. Teams need to do what's best for them. I need to do what's best for myself. So it doesn't really sound like a guy who is hankering to stay 
with the Raptors. Um, but again, his high contract is going to make him really hard to move. And I think people have been talking about the Sixers as a really good destination. I think he would be an incredible asset for the 76ers, a really good defensive point guard, someone who they could use possibly as a starter, maybe even off the bench if they wanted to at times. He would be huge for the 76ers, but who are the 76ers willing to give up in, in a trade for Kyle Lowry that wouldn't damage the team so much? But we do know Daryl Morey loves to make those big swinging trades. Kyle Lowry's situation with the Toronto Raptors is it's kind of like a relationship, right? So, you know, you've been you've been in this relationship for quite some time and, you know, it's been very good. We've had our best moments, top tier moment. Right. So it's kind of like a marriage. And yeah, you know, the best of the best moments was the championship. Right. So we've done everything we've possibly done for this for this relationship. And so now it's getting to the point where, you know, things are turning. It's not the same anymore. It's it looks different. We're not even in the same city anymore. <laughs> so like right. the direction so the direction of it is different. So you so uh, so, so in Larry's case, he finds himself in a situation where he has to just part ways in the relationship. <laughs> it's it's going to be sad to see him leave the Rockets if he does, but I don't think it's it's obviously not going to be on bad terms. He he did everything for that team. So it's it's they're going to love him whenever he comes back on an opposing team, but it'll just be interesting to see if they they move him um because he could be a valuable asset for a team that's trying to make a run this season. But again, that price tag is is very very high. Uh we got PJ Tucker too that people are talking about moving. He basically just said I I'm not playing for the Rockets anymore. <laughs> he's, he's I'm done, which I understand when your team's lost 16 in a row and you're like I'm I'm done. I could be a better asset for a better team. I respect him for saying that. And he would be a good player to trade for the Rockets, especially for some draft picks. He's got a very team-friendly contract. It's like $7.9 million this season. Um, and, and Shams was saying Milwaukee, Miami, the Lakers, they're all interested. I think he would be a tremendous fit for the Milwaukee Bucks. That let very good defensive wing player who could also get it from three. <laughs> he would be great for them. Three and D, knocking down that corner three for Giannis as Giannis attacks the rim. Yeah. Definitely can you definitely can use something like that in Milwaukee. I mean Miami too. You got obviously with Jimmy Butler, and he he'll fit perfectly with Miami, right? You know he's a gritty guy. You know plays hard, uh, defends very well. You know that's you know that's Miami written all over it too. But then you got the Lakers. They defend and championship pedigree, and I know that's something that you know. P.J. Tucker is something he's aiming towards, too. You know, Lakers could be a potential, you know, favorite to come out of the West. So I know that's probably something he's keeping in mind, too, P.J. Tucker. Yeah, he, he's going to be a huge asset for any team. And if he goes to a team like any of those three, really, if he goes to the Bucs or the Lakers, we're going to see him play very, very well in the playoffs because this is a guy who's been on just a terrible team. He hasn't been getting opportunity. He, he doesn't even want to play anymore. And so he goes to a playoff contender. It's going to open up a realm of possibilities for him. And we know how deadly he can be in the playoffs. We know how, how big of an asset he can be for any team in the playoffs. So hopefully he goes to a fun team because he's a fun guy to root for. At least I think so. What do you think of Buddy Hill going to Dallas? What do you think of that? Because there's those rumors with Buddy Hill with the Kings with he, he might not be there anymore. What do you think of a Buddy Hill, a shot maker like that, teaming up with your boy Luca? Yeah, I think, I mean, his fit with the Mavericks would be awesome. He would fit really well with the Mavericks. And I think the Kings are in a weird spot where I, I think they kind of want to move on from Buddy Heald. He's getting a little bit older. He it hasn't really shown that he can get any he better. Is older, isn't he? 
Because yeah, I think he's twenty one eight. I think. And he came in what almost twenty five, right? Because he was a yeah. four year guy in Oklahoma. Yeah. When so when you talk about like people whose ages don't make any sense, uh, <laughs> when I saw Buddy Heald's age, that is he's one of the top guys because you you he hasn't been in the league that long, and then that you look long. at you look at him and he's twenty eight years old. Twenty eight. He turns twenty nine in December. Um, but he's only been in the league for five years. So he came in late and he's a guy that really, I think at this point, you know what you're getting, you, you know what you're going to get with a buddy healed. And, and that's a guy who's a streaky shooter, not a very good defender. And he is what it is, but that can be valuable to some teams. It's definitely not valuable to the Kings because right now the Kings are looking at him like what their third best option, which he isn't, he shouldn't be. So on a team like the Mavericks who do need some shooting help, who do need some other players who can create their own offense at times. I think he would be a great fit for them. And the Kings, it would make sense for them to get rid of him because they're looking to go in a bit of a different direction. I think they're still trying to figure out what they want to do as a team. So it would make sense if they can get some draft picks for him. Then you got LaMarcus Aldridge, right? I don't really know where he could go. I think the best fit for a guy like LaMarcus Aldridge, because, you know, we obviously came out, well, he came out and he said that he uh, they've parted ways with the San Antonio Spurs, so he's not going to be playing with them until he's traded or a yep. buyout situation, whatever the case may be. But I think the only ideal place for LaMarcus Aldridge to go, and this may sound crazy, but either back to Portland <laughs> or That would Boston be awesome. Sussex. Yeah, <laughs> think, and that's that would be great if he went to Portland. I'll, I'll, I'll say that right now. I think that would be awesome to see him go back there. Because Portland's a team that's deep in the playoffs right now. I mean, they're they're making a move in the Western Conference. How how much would you love to see him play alongside Dame? Listen, just rekindle that flame because you guys were on the verge of peaking and had something going back yeah. in 2015, 2016. They had something going at the, at that time before, you know, the, the money came. And once the money came, everybody just went all about the money back in back in those uh days. And so I think for LaMarcus, if it's a buyout situation where he gets to decide where he, you know, wants to go. I mean, obviously, he probably has a say so in where he gets to go now. But in a buyout situation, he'll be essentially a free agent. So if that is the case, I think he should definitely revisit, you know, that Portland situation. Or, you know, I think the Boston Celtics should be a potential good fit, too. They need some big men. Because we know Nurkic and Collins are just forever going to be in and out of the lineup with injuries, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just the 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 curse of being on the Portland Trailblazers is they're always going to have some important asset on their team just become injured constantly. It's it's a curse that has always been with that team. But with Aldridge coming back, I mean the team already runs really high pick and rolls for Dame because the defense has to respect his shooting range. You have Aldridge helping run those high pick and rolls and and rolling to the free throw line. It's I mean that's dangerous. That that could be a very dangerous combination. Uh, and he would be of, of huge use. To that team. And it would well, then, you have that whole dynamic of him coming back to the Blazers, too. But then you even have that option of pick and pop, right? Yeah. So then you got – because don't forget, LaMarcus Aldridge can definitely pick and pop out and knock down the shots, too. And so once you have both of those dynamics – because Nurkis wasn't really necessarily a shooter or anything like that. But when you have a situation where LaMarcus can pop out and Dame can attack the basket and be able to kick out to the other guys, and, you know, that just eliminates the, the big defender in the paint. And, you know, that creates iso scenarios for a guy like Damon Lillard or switches and things like that because, you know, that's, you know, today's NBA. 
NBA with a lot of switch where the big is on the is on the guard and the guard takes advantage of that. And so when you have those scenarios during games, that'll set up huge offensive chances for a team like the Blazers if LaMarcus was to come back. You're hyping me up right now for the Blazers. <laughs> oh, that would be so fun if he went back there. It would be so fun because, I mean, they can't just be waiting around for Nurkic and Collins and all of them to be to be healthy. Yeah, healthy. Mm-hmm. And this is a team, too, that, as we said it right now, let's see, they sit sixth in the West. They're right in front of the Spurs. They're half game in front of the Spurs. They're tied with the Nuggets for the fifth spot. And they're only two games behind the Clippers for the fourth spot. So this is a team that very seriously can be a top five team in the West, but they've had to deal with injuries. They've had to deal with inconsistency. So to get that presence in Aldridge, a guy who has played there before, it, it just makes all the sense in the world. It would it would be great to see from a, a completely different vantage points and to see how Dame plays with him. It would be great all around. Um Finally, if we're talking about trades and buyouts, Zach, we wanted to just look at the teams that probably will be making moves. And I think we've mentioned the Celtics multiple times. So it makes sense to say that they probably will be looking in the trade and buyout market for someone uh, because they do need the help. They they need the help. They know they're not a team that's going to be able to compete for a championship this year. They're 20 and 18. They're only two games above 500. This is a team that needs some help. I just don't know where or who, right? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I, like I said, outside of you know Lamarcus Aldridge, because I definitely do believe they need a big, a good big though, not just any big man. Like you can't just go and get like Ennis Canner or somebody. Like that's not enough. Like that's not gonna cut it. You especially when you gotta play Joel Embiid four times. Like that's barbecue chicken four times with some fries. Like yeah. it's just not gotta, it's just not going to happen. So you got to get a guy that's going to be like consistent or even a young guy, or at least try to go after a, a Jared Allen or try to go after a, not even not a JaVale McGee, but you know, try to go after a, a Hassan Whiteside. Now I know he's could be a knucklehead sometimes, but I believe in the right situation, right coach, you can get the best out of a Hassan Whiteside because he is a great shot blocker. And I know him and uh and that I and that'll just bring just great theater to the East. You know, you got Whiteside <laughs> who bought the Celtics, yeah, who played oh, against Joel and B with Philadelphia Sixers. Man, that's popcorn waiting. <laughs> Whiteside against Embiid. My God. <laughs> the just the sheer drama that would come from just those two guys would be worth the price of admission. That would be so fun to see that. Uh other teams you got the Heat and the 76ers. We talked a little bit about the 76ers getting some guys. The Heat too probably need one, maybe two more pieces. I, although they've they've looked good. You know, they've looked good recently. They've looked like they're kind of finding their groove um a little more recently. They're they're nine and mm-hmm. one in their last ten. They've won four in a row. This may be a team that doesn't need more pieces. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be actively looking around for someone, but they look to be hitting their, their groove. They look to be finding their rhythm and, and looking like the team that we saw go to the NBA Finals last year. Yeah, Jimmy, he looks conditioned now. I, yeah, it looks he, like he's, that's the main thing. He's getting a groove. Mm-hmm. I think Jimmy's getting a groove. I think Tyler Hero's getting his groove back a little bit. I saw him catch that alley-oop, so it looks like their legs are finally starting to get under them as the second half of the season starts to really get underway the Miami Heat. So you're right. They may not necessarily need to get a piece, but they may still try to shop for someone. All right. Let's try to make some money, Zach. Let's go to betting Uh-oh. corner. 
best team against the spread. We have a new against the spread champion this week. The Phoenix Suns are the best team in the against the spread as of last week. And it's so crazy, right? Because we haven't really talked too much about the Phoenix Suns as it relates to making money, but they've been sneaky good, right? And now yeah. they sit here at the top for the best team against the spread. It's impressive to see what they've been able to do. Um, 25 and 12 against the spread. And like you said, we, I mean, they were not a team we even looked at at these against the spread standings and they've snuck up on everyone. They've been playing tremendous basketball towards the end of the all towards the start of the all-star break. And then on the other side too. And this is a team that is going to be dangerous, even going into the playoffs They're eight and two in their last 10. And they've been covering games like crazy. So the jazz it's kind of indicative of, of how the Jazz have been playing, too. They've been playing up and down, a little bit inconsistent. They fall yeah. to second in the against the spread standings, and and the Suns are number one. They they've hit against the they've hit the spread, sixty seven percent of the time. Now you know what team I sit there and I look at because I know they're terrible, and I know they're and I know they're dangerously terrible. Yes. And sometimes I want to just I'm a uh, they'll cover. But then I'll say, no, I won't do it. And it turns out they didn't cover because they got murdered <laughs> the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets being. Why are, are you betting team. the Houston Rockets? No, I'm staying away. I'll be I'll say I want to. I want to, but then I just stay away from it because I just know they're not gonna cover. They're gonna get blown out. Then I look and I see that they got blown out. I said, see, I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> because one, but no, because some of their spreads last week were so crazy being like it was one of them where it was just like, it was like minus 15. It's like minus 15. All right. Now NBA team is going to lose by 15 now. But then I thought about it as the game got closer and closer. And I said to myself, you know what? They might actually lose by 15. I'm going to stay away. Man, they got blown out. It was like about 42 points, man. It was, it was bad. Yeah, they were. Oh God, they're so bad. They were 11 point underdogs to the Boston Celtics. And a part of me, it was like, uh, it was like, (laughs) Tom Hardy and Mad Max, where he's like, that's bait. That's bait. Don't go for it. The Celtics could definitely like lose a game like this or at least not cover. And then they, the, the Rockets just get hammered. They got murdered. I think they God. almost lost by like 30. Exactly. It, it was so, they're just bad. so bad. Yeah, they're just, they're just <laughs> so bad. They're, they lost by 27 points. So, yeah, the Celtics covered that 11-point spread. Um, Indy, you put them on the list. They're a sneaky yeah. team against the spread. Yeah, they don't cover too well. You know, they 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 may win their games. You know, but if they're if it's a tight one, five and a half, six and a half, they may not cover. Man, they haven't been doing a good job covering. They win games, just don't cover, and they're really sitting outside of the eighth spot. But we all know the play-in scenario, so they're seven through ten right now. So they're still in that mix for playoff for playoff opportunity, the Indiana Pacers. But they got to play better offensively. I've been seeing their games lately, and I did I do know that they did get Karis LeVert back. So they we're going to see what that yet. Yeah, we're going to see what that turns into. I saw him his return uh, the other night, so I hope to see him with some promise and being able to come out and get his 20, 22 points as they work him back up into you know the rotation for the Pacers. And so hopefully, there's some uh, good signs offensively for them. And this is a conversation we can have another time, but we're going to have to at some point talk about how good the Pacers can be when they get TJ Warren back. They're going to have Karis LeVert. They're going to have Sabonis and Michael, uh, Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner. I mean, that starting lineup 
is disgusting. That is so good. So that's we, I, I'm excited to see them fully healthy. 15 points. That's, yeah, that's five people that can at least get 15 on average. Like all five of them can at least combine for 75 plus points between the all five of them. Brogdon, Turner, Lavert, uh, Sabonis, and Warren. Warren yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's just, it's, they're going to be fun to talk about next season. Uh, the Pelicans continue to be the over Kings, 28 and 11. They continue to just smash the over. Um, so it, you, it would be dumb at this point to avoid Pelicans overs. They're hitting the, the overs legs. 72% young, of the time. It's those, it's those young legs, Ben. Those youths got, they just keep running. You Zion, they're running. Uh, Lonzo, running. They're all just running. Eric Bledsoe, they're running They're running the tempo, pushing the tempo. Out on a fast break, looking to get dunks and layups. I, and sometimes even corner threes. J.J. Redick, Josh Hart, you never know what you may get between those two. They haven't necessarily been consistent for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans, those two specifically. But uh, overall, I think, yeah, the pace with the Pelicans in terms of moving the ball off misses, Jackson Hayes the other night, man, listen, yeah. <laughs> they get out on transition. Oh, that mm-hmm. dunk was sick. Yeah, That dunk was. was sick. <laughs> that was a fun dunk. Um, and, and that's the thing, too. I would stay away from the New Orleans games spread-wise. Because you just don't know what team you're going to get with the Pelicans. You don't know if they're going to be the good team and they're going to cover the spread. But what you do know is they're probably going to hit that over. That over is probably going to be hit in those Pelicans games. Um, The Lakers are the under Kings, 14 and 24 without AD. They're not scoring as much. They're kind of slogging through these games, playing pretty good defense, but also not scoring. So it makes sense why their unders are hitting. And what, and look at that, Zach, our favorite, <laughs> the Houston Rockets, the second most unders. And we know why their unders hit. It's because they can't score the damn basketball. They cannot score the ball. They can't hit a rock in the ocean. None of that no. <laughs> is transpiring in the Houston Rockets. It's just an unfortunate situation for Paul Silas, man. I feel bad for you, head coach for the Rockets. I feel bad for you, man. Yeah, they put him in a bad situation for sure with that team. Um, it's definitely not the good defense they're playing either. They're just... They're giving up a lot of points and not scoring any of their own. <laughs> uh, let's go to what Twitter's talking about this week. What it do, baby? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know what Twitter's talking about. Yo, crush, boy. Boy, your crush, man. <laughs> Yo, crush, man. Hey, make it the stallion. <laughs> she wore three Grammys. Like, she wore three Grammys the other night, man. So that just made me think of you when I saw that. Because I, I, this is a side note, too, and I don't know if the fans really noticed or if I told this story, but when I was over your house <laughs> that day and I was showing you Megan the Stallion and I had, I was showing you her on my phone. No, I show, I sent you the link for you to see it. And you was looking at her on your phone, but I was video recording you looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> so in the way you were looking, your reaction, I said, Oh yeah, that's his crush. Now he don't know when she win these Grammys. I'm going to be autumn about this. So look, Megan Thee Stallion wore three Grammys. That's your crush officially as of the points of the pay podcast. It's her know. and it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, and they both won Grammys last night, too. So I, <laughs> I really know how to pick my crushes in the music industry. I just I pick the winners is what I do. Um, but, yeah, congratulations to her. Honestly, great night. I I almost forgot the Grammys were on last night. I was too invested in some of these games. <laughs> and suddenly some some friends in the group chat were talking about these people winning Grammys. And I was like, oh, crap, the Grammys are going on. Yeah, it was a fun night overall with the Grammys. A lot of a lot of interesting, uh, 
events, I'll say that, in terms of uh, who performed. There were a lot of a lot of interesting performances. There you go. It, love, love a good award show, honestly. At the times like these, you got to love some good award shows. Yeah, definitely like time for times like these. That's that's true. KD, what's up with KD? Yeah, people are on Twitter talking about Kevin Durant. Apparently he's going to miss another one to two weeks of basketball with that left hamstring strain. But we talked about it. The Nets... 12 and 1 without Kevin Durant this year. They they it's not that they don't miss him, but it's very clear they don't need him to win some of these regular season games. Now playoff time comes around, they're going to need him because we talked about their defense is terrible. It is trash. So what the team's going to need to do is they're going to have to out, just outscore teams and they're going to need Kevin Durant to do that. Listen, Lord's Lord's will that Kevin Durant can, you know, can come back and be himself again. I'll just say well, and be himself because what we've seen, you know, that little glimpse we got before this hamstring injury, injury was quite enough, was more than enough to know that he's capable of going out there and putting up 30 any given night. But with that, they definitely need him. Without him, they don't do anything. Kyrie and James Harden, Blake Griffin, I don't care who you go get. Andre Drummond, uh, whoever you want to go get. Uh, LaMarcus Argers, whoever. If you don't have Kevin Durant, they don't win the championship. They don't go to the championship. They definitely need Kevin Durant. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I mean, he looked like he was back to normal for the most part when he was healthy playing with the Nets. So, the thing is, too, the fact that they are 12 and one and they have been playing well without him, you can give him a little bit more time. You, you can allow him to completely 100 percent recuperate. You don't have to rush him back. You don't have to force him into games that he doesn't have to be in. You know that you can win in the regular season for the most part without him. No need to rush him back. Have him 100 percent healthy for the playoff run. That's the most important thing for the Nets right now. All right, some preseason predictions that we made, Zach. Let's take a look at what we said before the season started, because we are halfway through the season, a little bit more than halfway through the season. So I think it's a good time for us to take a look at how stupid we sounded at the start <laughs> of the season for some of our award predictions, because some of them I thought were pretty intellectual, pretty smart at the time. And you look back on it now and you're thinking, oh, God, that did not work. And rookie of the year, we had Obi Toppin and Patrick Williams who we thought may be looking to get rookie of the year. And boy, we were not on the mark on that one because it's definitely nah. going to be LaMelo Ball. Yeah, LaMelo Ball, definitely, or Anthony Edwards. Like you could, you know, either one, you could probably flip a coin because they're both, you know, playing exceptionally well. Anthony Edwards, number one pick, LaMelo Ball, number two pick. It's funny how, you know, before the start of the season, we, we kind of went out on a – I felt like we went out on a limb picking those two guys, Obi yeah. Toppin and Pat Williams, you know, because we didn't want to be those guys with the cliche, oh, it's going to be the number one pick or a number two pick. You know, I think we kind of tried to go a little outside of the box with choosing that choice. And I think we we did a fairly, we had a fairly decent point, you know, to why we decided with Pat Williams and Obi Toppin. We just thought the opportunities would be there, and we wouldn't know if the opportunities would be there with Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. However... Once LaMelo Ball got his opportunity, I think the New Orleans Hornets, I mean the Charlotte Hornets, excuse me, they never looked back. And I seen what Anthony Edwards is all about. And I like what David what Dave Ross said, too, about how he's happy that Anthony Edwards is in a league because it's not going to always be a league where it's just a bunch of guys chucking up threes all night. Yeah, his dunks have been amazing. And thankfully, he's going to be in the league for hopefully another 15 years, which would be great. <laughs> Six man, we said Carmelo. 
and Carmelo's been good um, for the Portland Trailblazers, yeah. but you can't fault us for not thinking about Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> you can't, right? And that's what I was thinking too. I was thinking the same thing. It's like, but who would have really thought Jordan Clarkson would be the like front runner for six man of the year coming into the season? We didn't know that. No one knew that. Somebody yeah. lied said they knew that. They didn't know that. No, they absolutely didn't know that. So it's probably going to be Jordan Clarkson. Now, I think Thaddeus Young could make a solid case too for the Bulls. He's been playing really well. He hasn't been playing as well as Jordan Clarkson. He hasn't. He's made arguably as big of an impact for his own team that Jordan Clarkson has made for the Jazz. But Clarkson's numbers are a little bit better than Thad Young's. Now, Thad Young has been doing a great job off the bench for the Bulls. But at this point, I think it's Jordan Clarkson um, and the front runner for that sixth man of the year. Most improved player, we said Michael Porter Jr. Uh, that's rough. That's a rough look for him because he's been playing yeah. okay. But he had some injury and some COVID issues at the start of the season. And right now, it looks like it's probably going to be Julius Randle. You could make the case for Zach Levine, too, being most improved. I like those two options right there. Julius Randle. Or Zach Levine. And you know what? I think moving forward, I'm going to start thinking more outside of the box as it relates to that award. Because what do we see right now with that award right now between the two probably front runners for it? It's, a, it's guys who's been in the league for five plus years, six plus years, seven plus years, right? You know, Zach Levine been in the league five years, five plus. You know, Zach, I mean, uh, Julius Randle, he's been in the league seven plus. And so, they're finally making that leap that everyone may probably expected them to make earlier on in their career. And so there may be more guys moving forward in a league that may take that jump that's been in the league six or seven years. So that's something I'm going to keep my eye on, Ben. Yeah, that's a good strategy, I think. I think that, that'll that'll help us pick some winners <laughs> next season for our preseason <laughs> predictions. Finally, Defensive Player of the Year, we said Anthony Davis. That was looking like it might be the case before his injury, but it's hard to say Rudy Gobert won't win that award this year. Yeah, he'll probably win it again. He has great defense in terms <laughs> boring, of boring. help help side <laughs> in terms of help side, you know, uh contesting shots, blocking shots, obviously. Definitely a rebound a great rebounder, uh twelve plus rebounds a game. So yeah, and and he's coming off of twenty five plus twenty eight rebounds to be specifically night two as well. And so I can dig it. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with Rudy winning that one. Uh, let's do close things out, Zach. Stat of the week. Yeah. What's the stat of the week? Five. Now people probably you know we always have we have the low numbers that gotta mean something super significant, right? Nine and five. You know we've had those type of numbers. Yeah. But. Five is something very significant because it was the NBA record for the most, not one, not two, but the triple double in a night. That's crazy. Five triple doubles in one night from the NBA. Who did they come from, man? Do you know who they came from? You know, I didn't. I don't. They, Well, two of them actually happened in the same game. And that came from the uh, Wizards in the Milwaukee game. And Giannis went out, and he had a triple-double, which he hardly, rarely ever does. But then he – that was his second triple-double in a row for the week. So I thought that was pretty cool. But in the same game, if they played the Washington Wizards, you know who had a triple-double in that game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Our boy Russ. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook, so he had a triple-double. So uh, shout-out to him. 
And then also there were three other guys. Now, if you could if you could guess one guy out of those three who you believe had a triple double that night, and it's an all-star too. It's an all-star. I'll give you a hint for one of them. One of them is an all-star. Who do you think it was? Oh man. That's tough. I don't think two. I have a good guess for that. So actually all three of them were all-stars this year. One it was the first time. Julius Randle. Demontis Sabonis got a triple-double, man. And then, you know, of course, James Harden went out there and had a triple-double on Saturday night. <laughs> so, Sabonis, oh, yeah, Sabonis, Harden posted a triple-double, Julius Randle posted a triple-double, and Russell Westbrook and Giannis, both in the same game, all had triple-doubles. This league is getting crazy, man. It's getting yeah, that's crazy. Wrong. I, it's great to see people who you wouldn't expect getting triple doubles getting triple doubles too. I think that's kind of fun. It's yeah, fun. Sabonis. You know, Sabonis. Sabonis is also a guy who who can every single night knock on the door of triple doubles. So to see him get it and to see him get the All Star bid this season, he's having a great year. He really is. And then Julius Randle, obviously, we just talked about him for probably most most improved. And he just adding adding to the resume, right? Going out there and getting that triple double. So yeah, I find that I find that to be impressive. James Harden, you know, he gets his, but it's always cool to see a triple double. But they're two guys to get one in the same game, and that's and that's rarely ever been done. I thought that was the most impressive out of all out of the whole night too. Yeah, it just shows you how offensive this league it can still is. When you have yep. five players with triple doubles, usually you one player gets a triple double that night. That's he's everywhere. He's on the highlights. He's on every news station. The people are talking about him because he got the triple double. Now you got five of them in one night. That's going to conclude this edition, buddy, of Points in the Paint podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening all across the world because we are global so we appreciate all the listeners everywhere make sure you follow face our facebook page at points paint and follow us on twitter of course at points paint follow myself zach badgerhouse and my main man's ben winstein on our twitter handles respectfully follow shams for all your breaking nba news and coverage around the association and of course Listen to Trash and Treasure. No more Amina, but you can always catch Cam and the rest of the boys, the rest of the guys with uh, with Felder, too, as well. You can catch them still doing their thing every Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts, of course. And you'll hear from us next week. 